You're listening to the Unipreneurs Podcast. I'm coming to you live from the startup unicorn capital of Stockholm, Sweden, and my name is Alexa Edstrom. On the Unipreneurs Podcast, we showcase student entrepreneurs from around the world by sharing their stories with you, both the struggles and successes. We want to inspire you to start your own entrepreneurial journey as a student or recent graduate by motivating a new generation of Unipreneurs. You can find us online at unipreneurs.com to learn more or follow with our podcast. This episode will be just me again, but it's another special one because I'm interviewing a student from my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Earlier in the spring, I connected with the Entrepreneurship Club at the University of Texas at Dallas once I saw that they also produce a podcast. Their team has sent me some truly amazing students and recent alumni for me to interview on our podcast, and I'm really excited for us to branch outside of Sweden and to hear the perspectives of students and alumni living in the U.S. In this episode, I interview Benny Rubinov, one of the co-founders of Campus Oven, a meal delivery startup focused on providing affordable, nutritious, and delicious meals to college students. After a pivot to helping provide meals to frontline hospital workers during the pandemic, they have pivoted again to focus on B2B clients as they navigate running a startup during these unprecedented times. Benny and I dig deep into the topics of finding product market fit, how to find your co-founders and how to know they're the right ones for you, scheduling your startup work time when you also have a full-time job, and navigating the early stages of running a venture, especially during a pandemic. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it. So Benny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's awesome that you could tune in and virtually record with me from Washington, D.C., Hey, thanks for having me. This is pretty cool. I'm doing it uh, six hours away. Um, you from Stockholm, me from DC. So thanks for having yeah. me. And you're the second podcast guest that I'm having who is, well, studied in Dallas and uh, the second um, person from the University of Texas at Dallas's e-club originally. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a bit about how you ended up studying in Dallas and how you ended up in DC now. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Dallas, I, you know, elementary, middle school, high school. I did all of that there. And then when I was graduating from high school, I, I decided I really wanted to kind of branch out and do something new, maybe leave Texas. Mm-hmm. Then I came across the McDermott Scholars Program at, at UT Dallas. And um, I figured that maybe the more important thing going into college, there are two priorities. One was I wanted to meet some really cool people. And two, yeah. I wanted to uh, kind of build a, a financial foundation for myself that mm. would kind of put me in a good position to succeed after college. And mm-hmm. McDermott gave both of those. So I picked UT Dallas, stayed in Dallas. Mm-hmm. It was um, kind of a unique idea for me at the time. <laughs> uh, I'm not looking You back. wanted to get out of there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you grow up in one place, you kind of itch to see other parts of the world. And my, my parents yeah. were looking good at like, you know, pushing me to, to try new things and see new things. And mm-hmm. that, that drive was definitely there. But the good thing about McDermott was they, they also had that similar sentiment of go take a semester and study abroad or go do this. 
kind of mm. away from UTD, and, and I really like that. Awesome. So what did you study at UTD? Yeah, I got my Bachelor's of Science in Physics with a minor in Political Science. Um, I actually only declared physics in my sophomore year. So I spent the whole first year of my time in undergraduate not knowing what the heck <laughs> I was to do. So for anybody listening to this, that's entirely normal and very okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah. But, uh, okay, so political science is how you ended up in DC? Yeah, it's kind of roundabout, but I did this program called the Archer Fellowship Program, which is essentially like an internship and classes kind of deal uh, for mm-hmm. in DC. And the classes transferred really cleanly to UTD, so I ended up getting a political science minor. And while I was there in DC, I, I mean, I just kind of, I, I loved it and decided that I wanted to come back to DC after, uh, after I graduated. Awesome. But one big question I have here is a major in physics and a minor in political science, but somehow you've ended up working with marketing. (laughs) How did that happen? Yeah, I'll say this. I definitely uh, still have a tough time nailing down exactly what I what I want to stay with. And I think Mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of value sometimes in being a generalist. Marketing, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and marketing specifically, kind of a roundabout story, but in high school, I ran for junior class president and I won it. And when I was looking back, I was like, wow, really enjoyed making this kind of goofy video that I had to make. Loved it, <laughs> started, started getting into video making for a while. And then in college, uh, I started this organization called Comet Marketing. Um, that was basically trying to democratize kind of content production on campus to yeah. other organizations because there wasn't really a, a good amount of uh, great marketing content being put out on a consistent basis. And so how was the response to comment marketing? Uh, it, it took off. Um, it, it took a little bit in the beginning just to get the team organized and whatnot, but we had some really smart people on the team and we, you know, the clients started seeing that. So we, in the first semester we had, I don't know, probably 15 clients. Second semester, mm-hmm. it grew to like, over 30, um, I, I believe. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's very fast growth. And we had to eventually start like turning people away or being more selective with who we took on at, at a given time. Um, so it was really positive response. That's super cool. So is that how you originally got involved with entrepreneurship? I'd say so. Well, actually, the year before my freshman year, I was doing research at a lab and my professor decided he wanted to start a startup and spin out the technology into a startup. So I helped mm-hmm. them build that startup up and we built a business model for it, took that idea to the business idea competition, which is kind of like the biggest pitch competition at UT Dallas and ended up winning it, uh, getting first place, which was really fortunate. That's super awesome. Yeah, it was it was honestly surprising. I was And you had never pitched before. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> My partner and I were basically, well, he, he had started a company in, in high school, so I kind of learned a lot from him throughout that process. Mm-hmm. We were basically first time uh, pitchers and and uh, it went really well. Um, got myself really lucky. I learned a lot in the process. Yeah, and, participating in kind of pitching competitions and hackathons, I think, are a really great way not only to meet like other like-minded people and just starting to get into that headspace oh, yeah. um, of like, thinking innovatively um but they're also just a huge opportunity like i talked about with varika on the previous episode to just work on your pitching and really just start to analyze what kind of business models are going to work how are we going to grow this who's going to buy it who's our customer group i think really like 
to get practical experience in that area, hackathons and pitch competitions are really great for that. Yeah, I think you nailed it just now. I mean, <laughs> it really, it really just comes down to like surrounding yourself with people who are going to teach you and put you to think in a way that builds startups or companies in, in the most effective way possible. It's great. Yeah. So maybe now, jumping forward, you can tell us about your current venture and your position there. Yeah. So current venture is Campus Seven. Um, it's been pretty exciting. We've done a lot of pivoting and a lot of learning.、Um, and I would say this is probably my first real、um, startup position, just because、mm-hmm. it's it's kind of as scrappy as bootleggy as as you're gonna get, and it, and it feels <laughs> real since it's 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 kind of done. Completely externally from any、um, kind of foundation of of the university, it's just、yeah. college guys rather than you know professors. <laughs> so the idea behind it came my last semester of senior year.、Uh, I got back to UTD after the Archer Fellowship.、Mm-hmm. My some really good buddies of mine, the co-founders now. Um, we're basically like we see this problem. You know, this is a problem, and I'll, I'll detail what the problem is in a bit. But we, we, we have the bandwidth and the time right now to solve it, so let's do it. And、uh, in the beginning, I was like,、uh, you know, how much time is this going to take? <laughs> sure, I have.、Um, in retrospect, I'm really happy I put in the time that I did because it, it started scaling up pretty quickly.、Um, so the idea、uh, behind Campus Seven is、yes. to Basically, fix the problem that we saw, which was at UT Dallas specifically, and from what we heard, a lot of other universities. There's a real lack of healthy, affordable, convenient food,、um, mm-hmm. mostly because the university. A lot of people are kind of trapped on campus, and、mm-hmm. these kind of big food providers that sign these long-term contracts with the universities, but have no incentive to innovate or kind of help customers that、mm-hmm. help the students out with better options. And so we want to come come in and disrupt that a little bit, and that's how Campus Seven was born. Nice. And so, how did you feel you were ready to start another venture? Oh man, Alexa, I, I feel like I was always <laughs> itching itching to to build stuff. It, it's just I feel like I get most excited from building, organizing, and, and teams, and then working towards a common、mm-hmm. goal in a way that excites a lot of people. So. I was I was always kind of ready to throw myself into the mix. That this is where I get a lot of fulfillment from. Nice. And so, who is in the team with you? How did you meet your co-founders, and how did you know you wanted to start a venture with them? Yeah, it's a good question. Actually, most of my co-founders, actually all three of them, I've worked in some capacity building、mm-hmm. else in the past with Logan. So the other three co-founders, Logan, Yash, and Rohit. Logan and、mm-hmm. Josh and I、um, were kind of founding founders of、uh, 180 Degrees Consulting at UT Dallas, which was a brand. Okay, super cool.、Mm-hmm. Student consulting. Exactly. Yeah, uni- university-based consulting service, and、um, and it, we just found that we really liked working with each other.、Um, Rohit, he and I had done like a this other pitch competition called Hold Prize back earlier in undergraduate. Found we、mm-hmm. were working together, and he also helped with 180 DC and a few other things. So, honestly, when picking, kind of who, the, I'll say this: when Campus Oven started coming into fruition, my、mm-hmm. doubts and hesitations were erased because of the team that I was building this with. You want、yeah. to pick high integrity, high、um, output, kind of smart people to work with, and
Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah, and I had no doubts with these co-founders that that would be the case. Nice. And so what are you kind of working on at the moment with Campus 7? Yeah. Especially during Corona times. Yeah, um, we've done a couple pivots. Right now what we're trying to focus on is uh, we're moving to SMU because we see that mm -hmm. it could be a pretty promising market. And we're and for those who don't know, SMU is Southern Methodist University also in Dallas. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> it is kind of the premier private university in Dallas. UT Dallas is a yeah. private university. And we partnered with a, a sorority from the Greek life there right now, mm -hmm. providing them meals. And our goal is to expand through the Greek life at the moment. So that's where we're at. Nice. And uh, some of you are stationed in D.C. still. Yeah. Two co-founders are in D.C. Two co-founders are in Dallas. The ones in D.C. working remote, myself and mm -hmm. Logan. We're actually roommates here, which is fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So where did you work before Campus Oven? Give us a quick CV scan. Yeah, I um, so Campus Oven is actually part time for me right now. I'm, I'm working full time at a company called Corvo. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of a kind of more my, my title is program manager. So I'm kind of interfacing between um, internal engineering teams and external sales teams. Before mm -hmm. that, I worked at Albright Stonebridge, which was um, kind of an international affairs consultancy started by Madeleine Albright, who mm -hmm. was female secretary of state, just amazing woman who I would see walking around the hallway sometimes. Very exciting. I was, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was a business development intern there. And then um, before that, uh, I've worked in kind of a variety of positions, research positions at Corvo as well as an intern. Um, it's been interesting. Nice. And so I guess you had quite a bit of experience and not only interning at other already established companies, but already trying to start your own startups before starting Campus 7. Uh, but how much experience do you think one needs to have before starting their own venture? Well, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing, right? You're not going <laughs> to have experience until you start it. Um, so you might as well just dive in and do it. I will say that it definitely gets easier because you're no matter how much reading you do, no matter what what uh, what you've learned in classes, there's going to be a good amount of learning that you're going to do. Actually, maybe primarily most of your learning will come from actually like doing a startup or starting a venture. Mm -hmm. well, definitely. Yeah, I would. Have you have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome while trying to be a co-founder of a startup and build something up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think there's anybody who hasn't suffered from imposter syndrome at some point. No. And if they haven't, they, they're either lying about it or they just cover it up. <laughs> but that isn't to say that... Uh, or maybe your mental health is different and I would want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it really just boils down to like, everybody has doubts and they will mm. be unsure about what they're capable of but most people are just faking it until you make it and uh yeah definitely it just comes down to working hard and, and trying to learn as much as you can and whatever happens happens yeah so now that you are graduated and you're kind of like balancing work side hustle and life um how do you balance it and where do you have to make trade-offs in order to get all your work done yeah well so 
it's important to keep in mind that whatever you have to prioritize very effectively, whatever is bringing in the money that comes first. So my mm-hmm. full-time job takes precedence. That being said, mm-hmm. um, I try to essentially set aside um, two to three evenings throughout the weekday to mm-hmm. exclusively devote to campus oven. So that's two, two hour work, work sessions in the evenings after work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the weekends, Sunday is always a free day. And I think it should be kept that way. Everybody, nobody can really last. A day of rest. You need a day of rest to avoid that burnout. So Saturday is a, a campus oven day as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, work-life balance is, is pretty crucial. I will say this, there's a wide spectrum. Everybody is different. Some people can last off of six, five hours of sleep and be totally fine and work. Mm-hmm, not me. <laughs> not me either. I, I need the, the eight hours and that's okay. Um, yeah. It make you a less effective person. It makes you work differently and, and, and that should be something that you you kind of accept and work work off of, recognize your strengths mm-hmm. and your weaknesses. So there, there, you definitely need to find what works best for you. It's it's as as cheesy or as as a cliche as it is. Everybody's gonna something's gonna work different for every single person. The crucial mm-hmm. thing is to avoid burnout in yourself. And definitely, personally, I found what works best is what I kind of just described. Have you ever experienced burnout? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get it. I I think most people have too. I I remember. When I was graduating back in May, um, Campus 7 was, was moving pretty quickly, but I just graduated and I, I was looking forward to kind of a, a break before I started a full-time job and mm-hmm. the pandemic, I needed to kind of shorten that break. And so I took a month off. I, I just uh, told my co-founder. So that, smart. Yeah. I just took a month off, went and found an Airbnb in Colorado and, and just chilled there <laughs> for two weeks on my own. And it was one of the best decisions I could have made. <laughs> I did the complete opposite. I (laughs) submitted my thesis to graduate on Friday and started my full-time job on Monday. (laughs) No way. And I would not recommend that. So anybody listening, please take off some time after graduation because you will be burned out. (laughs) Yeah, don't do what I did. And I would not recommend it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really, like, I did get vacation in July and stuff too, and I love my job and I love working on Unipreneur stuff, but... I think it's really only been recently that I really kind of got my mojo and motivation back. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I mean, it takes a while. And I also am embracing like, at least one of the weekend days needs to just be a fun or relaxing day. 100%. Yeah. With no work. Exactly. Because uh, otherwise, I mean, last year, like, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to like balance school life or full time work. I think full time work is even harder than school life, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have way more responsibility, and you can't you you can't really be as flexible with your time either. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I definitely still encourage having a side hustle, especially if it's something you're really passionate about, and maybe your full time job isn't your full passion. So I think it's important to always have those kinds of side projects to still let you kind of express your creativity or whatever kind of yeah side of you that you want to yeah express um so starting a venture or volunteering or even just like drawing or something in your spare time i think it's a really really great thing to do 100 percent. yeah everybody needs their passions so what are kind of your main kind of tasks that you're doing now as cmo yeah. I, and I guess I should also say CMO stands for Chief Marketing Officer. That's correct. Uh, for those who don't know either. Yeah. 
I will say I'll preface that answer with this. Um, Campus Oven is still pretty early stage. We have about eight members on the team. So mm-hmm. whatever our titles are, it's it's going to be you're wearing many hats. I mean, really, the company grows to 30 plus people. That's when roles maybe get a little bit more and more defined. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this early on, so many things are being done that I'm doing a lot of stuff outside of what might traditionally be considered a marketing role, even though that's my mm-hmm. primary kind of work stream. Um, so as CMO, specifically in the marketing function, I'm, you know, I'm overseeing um, our marketing director at UTD, who is overseeing kind of our content creator and working mm-hmm. with them to develop kind of this long-term marketing strategy, posting calendar, um, things like that, rewards program, mm-hmm. outreach program, ambassador program, all of those things were, were in development. Now that we're pivoting to SMU, marketing is going to change quite a bit since it's almost yeah. going into a B2B phase. Yeah, in Greek life. Yeah, B2B being business to business, since we're just focused on essentially kind of the organizations, the sororities and fraternities, talking to the decision makers there rather than Mm -hmm. the rest of their members. So marketing is going to look a little bit different. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a kind of more unique. So the sales process really works differently then. Yeah, it's almost almost like sales rather than marketing. That's that's exactly (laughs) no. Well, I mean that is B2B basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's uh, where my focus is going to be now. But um, I was also doing kind of applications and I was helping out here and there with logistics. And so there's a lot that goes into it. Nice. So where do you see Campus Oven in the next year? Yeah. Um, I will say it's hard to it's hard to know. It's considering how much has happened in the past year. I mean, we've probably mm-hmm. made five or six big pivots and... Um, whether or not that's how uh, that's how the next year turns out, then we'll see. I mean, the core goal is to validate whether or not this product uh, will find product market fit. Yeah. Whether or not customers will adopt it, and we're we're trying everything we can to kind of validate or invalidate that. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully, if we validate it, we start scaling to other universities and. Uh, maybe move past Dallas to Texas, from Texas mm-hmm. and nationally, it's kind of long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that can happen in the next year really depends on if we catch that fire and, and find that product market fit. Yeah, I guess it's harder now too with, I don't know if every campus is remote or if a lot of people did go back to school. So SMU, so this is actually part of the pivot. SMU is more in person than UTD by mm-hmm. like good amount. Okay. Yeah. But I will say that that definitely the pandemic came kind of a, a tough time during Campus 7's like growth, specifically because back in March when the pandemic hit, we had done an alpha and a beta launch kind of with friends in front mm-hmm. of tested out. And we were getting very positive responses more about the start scaling up. And spring is a great time to start scaling, too, because people are kind of active. The weather's getting nicer. People are outside and mm-hmm. getting busier and so we, we started scaling up and then pandemic hit and campus shut down and we had to figure out how to how to pivot. So we focused on helping frontline workers and partnered with some nonprofits in the area. Uh, okay. And started doing that for a while. But yeah, it, it definitely is it, hard coming back to campus in the fall with, you know, 50%, 25% capacity. Yeah. So our, our, basically our market size has, you know, been cut by a significant percentage. And so how do you define validation in this case? What's like your guiding star metric and how will you know once it's validated? Yeah, I think guiding star 
is as simple as it gets, probably revenue, or mm-hmm. which translates into number of meals sold per week. And uh, we're looking at you know a specific number to to realize whether or not it would work based on kind of long term estimates of, of what that would mean for the company. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, it's around 500 meals per week, um, but that's that's pretty kind of more of like a guess. Um, yeah, we see kind of consistent week over week revenue in that in that sense. That mm-hmm. we'll, start to, we'll start to figure that this is working. So are you guys hoping to continue bootstrapping or how would the vision be to kind of like scale Campus 7 financially? Would you take external funding? Yeah, I mean, something that I, I read about, you probably want to avoid venture capital firms for a while until you, yeah, you've definitely. reached a point in your growth. And also you need to be validated. <laughs> you need to be validated. And, and what we what we told ourselves is the founders wanted to be honest about this. If we are not willing to put in a significant amount of our own money into it, then we're not yeah. going to for anybody else's money. And that's that's exactly that's what true. we've done. And right now we're at the point where, you know, we've definitely put in a decent amount of funding of our own money. But then we mm-hmm. also got lucky to win a couple of grants and lo- um, just grants that have helped us kind of extend our runway. Um, and all of those were opportunities through UTD? Yeah, one of them was a partnership between UTD and SMU called RevTech Ventures. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, which was helpful. Um, and so we're relying off of that funding right now. But yeah, if, if, this, if we reach that kind of magical product market fit point, whether it's a distinguished singular point or kind of a gradual growth point, um mm-hmm. and we then we you know go a little bit harder on the pitch competitions and talking to investors and whatnot and i think we're doing a good job of extending and growing our network we, we actually just heard back which is really exciting from business idea competition this year and uh campus seven is a finalist one of three in the student nice which is really exciting so if we win that that's gonna definitely help <laughs> on our runway and it's already doing a great job of connecting us to some really um helpful people the community fingers crossed fingers crossed we will see (laughs) so are you all kind of or i guess you and the other founders do you have any other friends who are fellow students or recent alumni that are also founders and kind of going through similar journeys as you all yeah i mean actually the person you talked to your last podcast varika yeah varika she is a good friend she uh worked on 180 degrees consulting with us as well and has been really really awesome and there are also you know there's a really good startup community at UT Dallas, surprisingly mm-hmm. so, that's been growing very, very quickly um, over the past four years. Um, so yeah, definitely friends with a lot of those people. <laughs> Do you think that entrepreneurship is becoming trendy among students? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always going to be certain fields or certain things that sound more flashy than others. Yeah. There's no question <laughs> that entrepreneurship is, is part of that kind of mainstream trend. That being said, I, I have nothing against that. I think, you know, the more people no. ventures, the better. And you need you need this incentivization for risk taking. Otherwise, Definitely. You have kind of as long as people are still realistic about the level of work that will be needed. Right, right. It's not that you're just gonna become the next Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very without, unlikely. Without risking, you know, then you, you never know. And yeah, true. Definitely. So yeah, I, I'm I I have nothing against it. I just think uh, it it's only got positive upside. Hmm. So how do you find your daily motivation? 
Yeah. Well, motivation <laughs> can waver sometimes, right? It, it goes through ups and downs like anybody else's. I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that every day I wake up, jump out of bed and start getting to work. <laughs> um, but I, I think... No? I, That's yeah, surprising. Not, <laughs> no, but I think like this is where I'll emphasize the importance of having a good team again. That has been one of the single strongest kind of kickers into my motivation that with mm -hmm. that team being who they are and, and being so great and great friends of mine and whatnot one i don't want to disappoint them but two it, it comes down to like you know that whatever work you put in will be one appreciated and two validated in, in the right way um yeah and you're all in it together exactly you get this so you don't want to disappoint each other either exactly it's and kind I, of yeah like accountability yeah there's a lot of accountability and i would also take the positive upside of that too that like you kind of build off of each other's enthusiasm in a way that mm -hmm. can be pretty pretty productive as long as you're real about the state of things and any failures that come with that but it's been great and so how do you view failure important, <laughs> important. <laughs> i've um i've failed quite a bit and I, I think like all that failure has done is uh a few things one one it's helped me build resilience which is probably the single most important uh, skill a founder can have um, yeah i mean guy raz the podcast host of how i built this exactly. he has a whole series on how i built resilience that's right yeah i actually haven't listened to his new th that series yet i've listened to some of his older stuff but yeah i i think he's nailing the he's nailing it on the head it's so yeah. important if, if you can get knocked down and then get right back up again like a phoenix <laughs> coming out of the ashes exactly always you, you gotta basically rebirth uh, your direction it's it's important and um yeah. failure helps build that and you have to accept failure not as um kind of a negative indicator of who you are and where you're mm -hmm. at but as a kind of a, a beacon of what you've done wrong and what you can do better next time just take yeah. it from it and, and move on so and i think some people can be so scared of like doing something wrong or getting like negative critique or feedback and yeah. i mean really you shouldn't unless unless somebody is just like a bully but yeah i mean it's just kind of redirecting you and guiding you to something that's even better and also it's just making you stronger because as a founder it's not a smooth ride at mm -hmm. all you are probably gonna have way more f failures than successes in your journey yeah. so learning to just bounce back and overcome those i mean yeah i guess that is the whole essence of resilience yeah, I would add on to that. Like, by no means am I fearless. You know, what I mean, I'm definitely yeah. scared of failure. It's 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 freaking scary. But I'll have a good cry when I need to. <laughs> I cry about it and you move on. <laughs> no, but it, it's scary, and and there's there's nothing to um, go against you feeling kind of that fear. But let let that fear mm -hmm. be motivating rather than debilitating. And it's a hard line to cross. It's a hard line to walk, but an important one. So jumping back a little bit, kind of touching back on the grants and things again, how were you all able to bring your idea to reality and what resources were available to you that you used? Yeah. Other than the big uh, pitch competition. Yeah, no, I, I'll say this. The couple grants that we've won, RevTech, uh, mm -hmm. huge, um, hugely helpful. Having a runway is, is 
definitely gives you a lot of peace of mind. Um, what is runway for yeah, those who don't know? Just about to say, runway <laughs> essentially is just like a kind of catch-all term for how much time you have, uh, mm -hmm. given the amount of funding that your venture has. So cash on account. Exactly, cash on account. How much? How much money you have in the pocket to be able to continue funding yourself, and how much yeah. time that translates to. So that's your runway. Uh, it definitely gives me peace of mind to, to know that we have mm -hmm. a pretty pretty long runway. That being said, um, what was the question again? <laughs> what resources were available to Very you good. after the pitch competition? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say this. In the beginning, we were still very scrappy. I mean, the funding kind of came later in our journey, but mm -hmm. we we did everything on our own, funded it our, ourselves kind of through the combined resources of the co-founders, brought on people mm -hmm. without any, any promise of compensation for a while. And um, and we, we just kind of went like that for a while, but then we also went, went pretty hard on trying to find sources of funding. Um, yeah. That being said, there, there's also kind of soft resources that were given to us mm -hmm. by Blackstone Launchpad at UTD and other um, organizations mm -hmm. and communities at UT Dallas, which was connecting us to certain mentors that have been extremely helpful. Rohit mm -hmm. that, uh, interned this past summer at Bain & Company, and one uh, gentleman there, Nick Hill, has been extremely helpful as a mentor to him and, and the rest of the team. So um, That's awesome. It's all about asking. It is, yeah. You, you have to find... People are usually super willing to help. It's true. It's true. You, you have to find the right people that will help you... Uh, or help give you and redirect you um, mm -hmm. often. It's, it's been great. We've been very lucky. So since most of the, the founders, well, I think you said one is still studying, the rest of you have graduated, right? Yeah, yeah. Rohit's uh, so you're making a full-time salary then. Does that mean that the founders are not taking out salary from Campus 7? Yeah, absolutely not. We are not. Okay, so that's to keep the runway longer. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I think we're putting money into the company rather than take it out. And I'd say that mm -hmm. should be, I mean, everybody's situation is, is very different, obviously. And mm -hmm. There's no kind of right answer for whether or not you should take salary out. But I, I do think that there comes a point in every startup, like startups growth, where you can probably start to um, pay out salary, which is probably mm -hmm. the biggest um, payout in, in, in any company, right? You, you want to find the right people and, and compensate them as definitely needed so that's that's where we're looking nobody at. likes working for free <laughs> oh, that's for sure, that's for sure. <laughs> unless you have equity <laughs> exactly yeah but uh, uh like yeah equity 100 percent of a pie that isn't worth anything is not going to taste too sweet <laughs> wow I, I like that quote i haven't heard that one before <laughs> i i made it up now <laughs> oh wow very good but, um, <laughs> i guess uh, also like if you're kind of reaching your validation goal, is that when you maybe, or how do you know when it would be time to focus on Campus 7 full-time? Mm -hmm. Have you discussed that in the team? Because yeah. I think that's also an important point for people to consider because definitely like you need an income. Do not, I mean, some people maybe can't afford off of their savings or if their parents are very generous or something to just focus on their startup full-time. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also a very rational thing to do to keep your job while working. Yeah, basically on your side hustle or idea. Yeah, you have to do whatever you, you can to keep yourself afloat. And I, I don't know many people who live without any income one way or the mm. other. Um, in fact, I know nobody who lives without an income. <laughs> um, you have to kind of gauge it off of your situation for sure. And could you repeat the question again? 
Yeah, how do you know when it's going to be time to do or focus on Campus yeah. 7 full-time? Yeah, I mean, that, that would probably be the dream. Uh, as far as the when, I, I think it depends on a variety of factors. It depends on whether or not we can get into you know a certain pitch competition. We applied to Y Combinator, and, and that would be mm-hmm. kind of the dream to, to be able to get in there. Um, whether or not we have enough funding to kind of start paying it out um, without going overboard, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no clear answer. I think it really depends, Yeah, like I said, on, on quite a variety of things. But when we get there, we will uh, revisit. I think the founders, most of the founders, if not all of us, are um, willing to go full-time on this, given the right combination mm-hmm. of factors. And, and uh, we're just kind of gauging where those factors are and what they would be. Yeah, awesome. It seems like you as a team are pretty synced. And I guess that's because you were already friends before. Exactly. It's helped a lot. Uh, kind of on a personal note, relating to friends, how have your other friends reacted to you having a venture? Yeah, I mean, I think like in any scenario, having a venture is pretty exciting. And, and I've been lucky <laughs> to surround myself with like really encouraging, supportive people through undergraduate. I guess that's that's been the... Um, kind of key like I mentioned earlier of like finding your tribe finding your people that Mm -hmm. support you kind of bring you up and not break you down Um, and it's true and so people have been really supportive and very thankful for that nice do you have or I already asked this if you had any other friends starting their own businesses has anybody else been inspired by you or any of your other co-founders to venture (laughs) we have a a guy on our team right now, Nathan, who I know has considered starting his own venture. I don't know if it's because of us, but I guess the hope is that we are inspiring people. Um, I, I'm not sure of any specific people yet. <laughs> not be, yet. Not yet. Yeah, but that, that would be cool to hear. I, I'm always once they listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, such a brilliant uh, orator. Hopefully, I can convince some people. <laughs> I'm kidding. But yeah. So when you have free time, what are your hobbies? Ooh, I love to play piano. Haven't been able to find one up here in DC, unfortunately. So I'm kind of focusing on guitar instead, which I do have cool. them here. It's a little more portable. I play a lot of chess. Um, I've always liked chess. My dad has been a big fan of it for a while. So I try <laughs> to do that. I have like a weekly stand up with a former professor of mine every week. Actually, I have one coming up. To play chess? To play chess. Yeah, we do a little Zoom <laughs> blood on the battlefield uh, chess competition. <laughs> Pretty fun. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, ultimate frisbee and tennis are two kind of athletic hobbies. Cool. That I and I think one thing that I'm definitely trying to do now, a hobby slash passion is try to learn more coding. Yeah. Always mm-hmm. a good skill. It's a good skill. And it's one of my biggest regrets from for not doing more of an, an undergraduate. So I think Same. You know, this is also what Varik and I were talking about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's so applicable to so many things. And Almost any startup could use somebody that's that's good at coding to automate. Anything. Yeah, it's definitely a skill I'm looking to build in the next few years. And even for maybe like less of the technical people, maybe more creative people listening, even just kind of learning how to code in CSS or basic HTML so that you can help. Just I mean, be aware of the decision making for your website design. Even that is super beneficial. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because Coding is the future, people. <laughs> so you need to understand how it works. Exactly. We agree more. <laughs> so what advice would you give to a student who's interested in starting a venture? 
Oh, man. I guess not to repeat myself too much, but it's probably a combination of some of the things that I've talked about so far. Like, don't mm-hmm. bluff. Start something. Look for the right team who are honest, high integrity, kind of smart, talented, and hard workers. Um, it's hard to, hard combination to find, but that's, that's the ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, be okay with failing, you know, kind of a lot of cliches, but avoid burnout and find what works best for you. If that's sleeping in and working late evenings, do that. There's no, there's no, yeah. to do it. Um, support yourself with a stable income. If you can, if you're a student founder, it's, it's different, but look for the, if you're a student founder, look for the resources at your university. Though mm-hmm. plentiful and there's so many people out there willing to help you, especially if you say that you're a student, everybody wants to give advice to a student. I'm not sure yeah. why. <laughs> so take advantage of that while you, while you're still in college. Um, yeah, bunch of bunch of different thoughts like that. But that being said, if anybody, uh, Alexa, you're welcome to kind of give out mm-hmm. my social media after this. If anybody wants to meet up, have a coffee, anything like that, I'm always down to. Definitely, we'll leave your details below. And I think also to add on to something you were saying about how to find people who are, yeah, working hard, high integrity, and that you know that you click well with and have um, good communication skills with. I think it's great that you were involved in so many kind of clubs and extracurriculars. And I think in college, that's a really good way to meet like-minded people who are going to share your work ethic. 100%. Yeah. That's so a good... even like you maybe are already interested in entrepreneurship as a freshman or first year, but it's still nice to maybe explore, yeah, like a consulting group or a finance group or any other sorts of things because you're going to meet a lot of various people and in your founding team you're also going to need so many different skills like you can't all just be business majors <laughs> you're going to need people maybe who at least one or two who are very technical and probably good at coding especially if you have a tech product uh, you're going to need someone who's good at marketing and then a completely different type of business person who's good at kind of like the accounting and yeah. regulation sort of stuff so yeah, it's important to network in college and to make lots of friends who have their strengths in various areas. 100%. So now we're going to move on to our rapid fire question round to wrap up. So I want you to try to answer these as fast as you can. No pressure. Okay. (laughs) Who is your biggest role model? I think I have two. One is uh, my professor. His name is Professor Swerdlow. He's the one I have a weekly stand up playing chess with He's <laughs> fantastic, incredibly smart and witty and i want to emulate that personality as much as possible the other one is what is he a professor in he uh kind of teaches things in the political science realm That's okay pretty- cool yeah and then the other one is naval ravikant who i do not know personally but he is co-founder of angelist and i guess his philosophy is something i've, I've followed and kind of built my worldview um mm-hmm similar to in a lot of ways. I don't agree with everything he says, but he, he's definitely a very smart guy. And I, I want to emulate that. Nice. Who do you call when you get bad news? Ooh, my big brother or my girlfriend. Who do you call when you get good news? <laughs> big brother or my girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, classic. Who, <laughs> who is your dream dinner companion? Ooh. Wow, that's a good question. I actually have not thought about that one. I would say... <laughs> maybe the guy from AngelList. Maybe the guy from AngelList, or <laughs> I think Mark Cuban would be kind of funny to talk to. 
Yeah, and he's a Dallas guy. He's a Dallas guy, so we have that in common. <laughs> yeah, but I have to think on that one. I don't know if that's my yeah. final answer. <laughs> if you weren't at Campus Oven, where would you see yourself? I have been considering a move to San Francisco, so probably then. Okay. And your favorite book? Oh, Harry Potter 7. <laughs> I also read it <laughs> recently. That was a great book. <laughs> and finally, your favorite TV show or movie? I'll go with movie on this one. Uh, okay. Movie is The Dark Knight. It's a masterpiece of filmmaking. So good. <laughs> Actually, TV show, I'd say The Office. It's the only TV show I've ever watched twice. <laughs> I have watched all seasons of Friends at least five times. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. It's Everybody something I just love to have on like in the background when I'm doing other things. Yeah. And I you can always come back to it. I need to watch Friends. I haven't haven't gotten through <laughs> it yet. Well, I think that's all my questions for you. I don't know if you have anything else you want to let any, anyone know about. Oh, man. I guess I'll, I'll detail Campus Oven's um, kind of media. I know you're probably mm -hmm. going to in the caption. but Yeah, and I'll link it below. But if yeah. you could spell it out for everyone. Absolutely. Definitely uh, check out our website. It's www campusoven.com that's c-a-m-p-u-s-o-v-e-n campus oven simple as it gets nice and if they are in the dallas area then i guess they can reach out to you if they're a student interested in getting meals oh shoot yeah if, they, if they're a student interested in getting meals definitely reach out if, if it's somebody who's not <laughs> in the dallas area anybody who wants to talk i'm happy to do that too nice and you know what I just realized as well is we actually, we kind of are, what's it called, old school competitors because you went to Plano West and I went to Plano East. Yeah. So we had a big rivalry in high school with all of our sports teams. <laughs> uh, so really, it took it took a lot for me today to be able to talk to you. No, <laughs> well, I appreciate you putting aside the rivalry. Although I do remember Plano Senior and Plano West was the main rivalry. Oh, yeah. And Plano yeah. East kind of watched from the sidelines, but we, we don't have to go <laughs> Yeah, we both grew up in a huge suburban town and we have so many like kids basically that they couldn't have one high school for our town. They had to have they had to split it into three and we still I know Plano East my graduating year, we were the largest high school graduating class in the country. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I know yeah. I know Weston seniors still had similar numbers. So when you're graduating with a class of like 1500 people, I mean when I, yeah, when I've been living here in Europe, like people just can't even fathom that because most no. of them, their schools weren't even 1,500 people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's a Texan thing. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's literally like a mini college. It's, it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. I think, I know Plano East was modeled or we took over a college campus. And I think all of the campuses in Plano were modeled after like community college campuses. I don't doubt because it. Because we have so many people. Yeah, just ridiculous. <laughs> well, Benny, thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Saturday in DC. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and uh, we'll leave all of Benny's and Campus Oven's details below for those of you who are interested. Thanks, Alexa. Hey, you're doing really cool stuff Thanks. with the unique beers, and I appreciate you taking the time to, to interview me. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to the Unipreneurs podcast. I hope you enjoyed our episode with Benny and be sure to check out his details and Campus 7's website in the description. Or you can find them at campusoven.com to learn more. If you like our podcast show and want to know more, check out Unipreneurs at www.unipreneurs.com and be sure to follow us on social media. Join us next time when we interview another amazing student entrepreneur.